Learning to love Linda through her dementia when she lost so many of her capacities, it taught me the meaning of authentic love. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and an international presenter on how to respond to dementia behaviors. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, you know I won't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have sometimes made the statement that being the family caregiver that you were, that it brought you to your knees. Well, in in a number of ways it did, both because it was often so difficult and um, also because I leaned on uh, my faith a great deal through it. And, um, you know, it meant a lot to me at the time. It leaves me, uh, means a lot to me now. I end every day with with a prayer that says, show me the path you want me to take. And that brings us to today's guest, who is a retired United Methodist bishop and seminary professor. He was the care partner for his late wife of 58 years. He is now devoted to educating people on behalf of people living with dementia, both those diagnosed and their care partners, focusing on what faith communities offer. We are pleased to welcome Bishop Ken Carter. Bishop Carter, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's a joy to be with you, and thank you for the privilege and opportunity. Well, I think the privilege and honor is ours, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you very much. So we, we, sh- we share the journey of having been family caregivers. We would love it if you would tell us and our listeners about caring for your wife. Yes, uh, as you know so very well, the, a diagnosis of dementia changes everything. I mean, when Linda was diagnosed I was in my ideal position as a professor at Duke Divinity School, and she was diagnosed in 2009 with frontal temporal dementia. And with that diagnosis, our location changed. We moved to be near our daughters because, as any caregiver knows, it takes a village. It takes a family. And our daughters wanted to be a part of this journey. So my vocation changed also. I really felt that my vocation now is as that of a caregiver or care partner, and that I entered this as a sense of calling, just as I had entered the role of a pastor for 32 years, my role as a a bishop, and my role as a professor. Now my primary role is that of of a care partner a caregiver. And I like the word partner because it it's not just simply, uh, Linda was never my project. <laughs> she was my partner. Right. She was my colleague. I was learning from her. I was receiving from her in that journey. So it was a, it was a long journey. It still is a part of my journey because she's still a part of my life, even though she died in 2019, October the 3rd, in fact. 
I realized that Roger, who we had in our home for seven years, was one of the most important teachers I ever had. Oh, yes. And, And that, you know, doing that, what we did brought us to recognizing that path that I pray for each night. When I say, show me the path you want me to take, this is the path that he has put me on. Uh, Yes. And I think it is very important to see them as our teachers. And the way way they teach us is to get inside their world, (laughs) to be present with them, attentively, intentionally present. Can you give us an example or two of how you entered Linda's world? I tried to, well, first of all, I knew her story. And the knowing of the story of the person with dementia is so crucial. So I knew I I could detect things, a look in her eyes. I could see the frustration, for example. And I, I could see the... I could see the pain when it when it emerged, her confusion, her frustration, uh, because I knew her story, but I also knew what um, what she loved. <laughs> I knew what she what brought her joy. For example, when we admitted her to the memory fa- uh, facility, which was the hardest part of the journey for me, because I felt like I was abandoning her. But because of the changes that had taken place in her personality, she, she went through a phase of paranoia mm-hmm. where she wouldn't let me care for her. And she thought I was trying to hurt her. Uh, so I had to have others help me. But when we entered her into the facility, I sent them a letter telling them, this is who Linda is. Wow. Here are the things she loves. And here I my daughters put a poster on the wall that said, talk to me about my dog, Millie. Hmm. Talk to me about my college roommate, Crazy Patsy. Because those I knew were part of her story that triggered her memories and, yes, triggered her laughter often. So I knew her story. And that's the, that's so important because in those facilities, People don't have the time to learn the story. And, and you know, that's so important um, because these devastating brain diseases, they start from the outside, the most recent, and work their way in. And bringing up the memories from when she was in college kind of brings her back into the here and now where you can have that conversation with the person. And that's a very, very amazing point that you bring up for our listeners. And not only that, what a great tip for people that are listening. For those of us who, as many times as your dad was in the hospital, never thought to do that. Um, Correct. Or even here at home, you know, having reminders of things that were important to him uh, to bring his memories back. Uh, One of the things that I learned very early is that we tend to view dementia through exclusively through a medical lens. And a medical lens focuses on symptoms, and those symptoms are losses. And that's that's one reason that the diagnosis is the most feared of all diseases. But we are not simply symptoms. We are stories. 
and learning each other's stories, knowing each other's stories is such an important part of caring. Now, sometimes those stories that people have are not pleasant stories, and that can impact the caregiving experience. You know, we we had somebody on a previous uh, podcast who talked about caring for somebody who had been abusive to them. So it's going to be really hard to find those positive moments, but I have to think that there are some in there somewhere. But our relationship to the person before they got sick definitely defines the caregiving experience, which is one of the reasons why professional caregivers who do a wonderful job at work, when it affects a family member, all of a sudden they're they're at sea like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Yes, I think that is important. And it's important for even professional caregivers to know those stories uh, because if there is a, has been an abuse in, you know, in the relationships of the past, uh, then that needs to be taken into consideration. And some of the difficult behaviors of people uh, with dementia are related to their past stories. And if you can know those behaviors, for example, in the care facility where Linda was, a woman came into the facility, I mean, came into Linda's room every night at nine o'clock and woke her up. And she had on her hallway, she would wake up several of the residents. Well, the, the staff consider that to be a nuisance and it was troubling, uh, but I said, well, what was her profession? What was her vocation? Well, as it turns out, she had been a nurse. She was making her rounds at night. <laughs> so give her something to do. Uh, give her a task. And, and that behavior, which was determined as an intrusion, uh, helped to lead to her finding a sense of meaning. She was trying to find meaning, you know, in her new role. Right. Um, I just was uh, relating with someone who was a caregiver who had said, how do I convince my retired lieutenant colonel dad with a PhD to use his walker? And um, I, my response was twofold. One was, you know, you might suggest, I suggested telling him, you know, if you fall and get hurt, that I would be responsible for that. Or, and I think this one was better, if he will follow orders, as most military people do, tell him, doctor's orders are you use your walker. And she came back with, oh my God, yes, he will follow doctor's orders. (laughs) (laughs) And again, that's, that's his story was who he was. That's right. And, you know, we are part, we are part of a much larger story, too. Uh, and I think we are stewards of one another's stories. That's we, a really good point. And, and that's part of, uh, part of my role now as, a, as Linda's husband for 40, uh, 58 years is to uh, be a good steward of her memories because so much of our memory is held in community. It's not held simply within my brain. Other people hold our memories. We only can recall a very small percentage of our own past experiences, relationships, 
and and thoughts. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that, and I think one of the hurdles is like with my father. My father was very very intelligent, and as a kid growing up, he was Superman without having the kryptonite. Mm. Um, he he was just that guy, and that's what I knew. And when he became very frail, and the dementia really kicked in, that was very difficult for me because I knew what he was, mm-hmm. and having him as he became was a very very difficult hurdle to get over um, for myself personally. Yes, I think that is an important point, Mike. Uh, So many uh, have difficulty loving the person with dementia as they are. They want to simply recover what was. And it is an enormous loss. But learning to love Linda through her dementia, when she lost so many of her capacities— it expanded my own capacity to love without reciprocity. Wow. It taught it taught me the meaning of authentic love. Whoa. <laughs> you know, the words we say when we marry, at the time, we don't really understand the true depth of that. As we're we're relatively young thinking, you know, we're going to live happily ever after. And then all of a sudden, and it doesn't have to be dementia. As I often say, we're all fine until we're not. That's right. Things change. And and that comes into it. And I believe that caregivers, so often their frustration comes from the feeling. And I, I admit to having it. I want to fix this. I want the behavior to change. I want him the way he I knew him before and feeling like a failure when it doesn't happen I think maybe the message is acceptance this as you said recognizing and loving the person as who they are now yes it is a challenge and I don't want to in any way diminish right. the challenge of it yes I got frustrated impatient angry uh, I still look back and have feelings of guilt. (laughs) I wish I had not lost my temper, my cool. But, you know, Paul in Galatians uh, talks about the gifts or fruits of of the uh, Spirit, you know, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I grew more in those fruits of the Spirit in those 10 years of living with Linda's dementia than any other decade of my life. Because, you know, you have to be patient. You have to learn patience. But I do I do feel I also learned she helped me to she helped me to kiss the joy as it flies by. She helped me to live in the present moment. You know, to to appreciate the little simple things. You know the things I miss the most right now? are those simple expressions, new or, or different expressions of intimacy. You know, it's a great loss when you lose your spouse, when you lose that physical intimacy that was a part of who we are as human beings. But you don't lose the intimacy of a deep love. I miss, 
I miss brushing her hair. I miss caressing her face. I miss simply holding her hand. I miss uh, that little twinkle that would come in her eyes that maybe I would only detect because I knew there were even sometimes she's flirting with me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as we <laughs> but, do. As we do. And I, uh, you know, the last thing, one of the last things I did, she loved uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream. That was her favorite food. The last thing I did for her uh, was feed her her mint chocolate chip ice cream. And just the joy of doing those simple things. And that's a that's also a profound, deep forms of intimacy. So that caring for her became a gift. Yes, there were burdens. There were burdensome tasks, but she never became a burden. She was always a person I loved and valued. And one of her greatest gifts was letting me care for her. Mm -hmm. In letting me care for her, she was loving me. <laughs> love is a dance, <laughs> and love is sometimes leading and sometimes following. <laughs> yes. This concludes part one of our two-part episode with Bishop Carter. So come back for part two with Bishop Carter, where we discuss the importance of the faith community and ministry with the forgotten. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.